Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the From the Finney podcast with Jimmy and me, Jake. In this episode, we're joined by Lanx Live's George Hodgson to discuss the weekend's woeful defeat in Wickham. And in part two, we've got football finances rain man, Kieran Maguire, with us to talk about North End's finances before we finish off by looking ahead to Tuesday night against Borough. Enjoy. How are we, boys? Are we good? Um, All things really. considered, that is. <laughs> yeah, I think the silence tells you everything you need to know yeah, on that one, mate. Definitely does. Definitely does. Uh, before we crack on, just a reminder, as always, that you can support us here at From the Finney with a donation. Head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. And as I say every week, every bit of money that's received helps to keep the podcast and the website running. And we massively appreciate it. And as well, we've had, had quite a few uh, reviews this week, haven't we, Jim, on Apple Podcasts? Yeah, three or four. It's been yeah, decent. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you have left us a review, appreciate it. Um, it's good of you and, and kind of you. And if you haven't left us a review yet, then head on over to the Apple Podcast app and just jot your thoughts down and, yeah, leave us a review. It's much appreciated. Yeah, um, reviewers, reviewers don't review the performance on the pitch, ideally, because yeah. they're, they're two different things. They're two massively different things. I mean, we have been shit in the past, but I don't think we've been as shit as the team are at the moment. Yeah, yesterday wasn't good, was it? No, it wasn't. Before we crack on, uh, I've never done this before. I just want to use this platform just to to sort of talk about something that I've been a bit quiet about. If you don't want to hear what I've got to say and you want to skip to the football ahead, then just jump ahead by about a minute or so. But yeah, I just want to speak out about it because I want our female listeners to know that, and I'm sure George and Jimmy, you agree with me, you don't know what I'm going to say here, but just want them to know that do stand with them um, with everything that's gone on in the last week or so. Some of the stuff that I've seen on social media surrounding the safety of women in the country, it's a bit mind-blowing, to be honest. The not all men hashtag that's been trending does absolutely nothing but blunt the problem. Um, some statistics, 90% of murderers are male, 87% of crime against other people is committed by men, and 97% of sexual offences are committed by men. Two main women in my life, my mum and my wife, have both experienced sexual harassment firsthand, as I'm sure many other women have. My mum, when she was younger, was flashed on the way to school one morning, and my wife, I won't go into the details, but she's been through hell and back since about the age of 12, just because of the behaviour of a small handful of ill-educated, mindless men. Um, as a man, this, this isn't about you as an individual, if you're listening to this. Um, it might be. If it is, then that's, that's up to you and that's something you need to deal with. But this, for me, is about men as a whole. We can't let rape jokes slide. We can't play them down. We can't continue unprovoked catcalling, thinking that it's a compliment, thinking that women enjoy it. We can't grab or grope a woman on a night out or turn a blind eye to it if you see it. And we can't continue to brush unwanted acts off as, oh, well, boys will be boys. In the media, I've seen a lot about women's safety and things largely being framed about women needing to do this, that, or the other, whatever it may be, to ensure that they look out for their own safety. But surely as decent human beings, that shouldn't be the case. You know, women shouldn't have to feel that they need to walk home from a friend's house with keys between the fingers or have to go to someone's house and knock on the door for help because they think they're being followed or they are being followed 
or they've been intimidated by someone passing in a car. You know, no woman ever asked for any of these things uh, that I've mentioned and many other things that I haven't mentioned because I don't want to go on and on about it on a football podcast, but I just wanted to use my platform to appeal to the majority of our male audience just to be better, educate yourselves and your friends and, and talk to your friends, call, call things out that you see that are inappropriate. Um, so yeah, that's my two pence done. Now we can get onto the not so fun stuff of Wiccan. How well said, by the way. Cheers, mate. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I would ask <laughs> for your thoughts, George, but I know exactly how you feel. But for the listeners, do you just want to sort of fill them in on yesterday uh, not, not or really. Saturday as, as we as we put this out? Yeah, I mean, it was as bad there as it was probably watching on telly, to be honest. Yeah. Um, felt like it was January all over again. Watched that first five, ten minutes. Wickham have come out and absolutely pummel us. Um, look, we look scared. Um, third time I've played them. Should have known what was coming. Didn't stand up to it. And Wickham were played that like a cup final. I think I tweeted that yesterday. Manager on the sideline was cheering every every little thing he could. He was making like noise of a crowd when a shot went wide, like ooh on the touchline and things. And <laughs> they, they, I know he splits opinion, but you know they couldn't have a better guy in charge to try and get him out of trouble. And yeah. we just I think, I think he we suits them, turn. doesn't he? Yeah, and you never know what, if he could if he if it worked going to a bigger club or not. But he's he's perfect for them, and they must absolutely love him. Um, listening to him after the game and stuff, but yeah, we you just. Against teams like Wickham, you can't just turn up and think you can be 20% off it and you'll get through and come away with something. You know, yeah. literally just rolled over and had our bellies tickled for 45 minutes and too much to do in the end. Um, yeah. And their, their celebrations at full time, you could see what it meant. It gives them a bit of a, a sniff, doesn't it? I mean, it's not much of a sniff, but it gives them a bit of a sniff of survival. Yeah, that's, that's, well, you know, probably still... Yeah. No one probably thinks I'm going to stay up, but listening to Ainsworth after the game yesterday, he was he was literally so confident. Like we're going to catch Sheffield Wednesday, and then it's on. And we've been under that line all season. Uh, we're not scared of it. And if we can keep playing like that, something special is going to happen. All that type of thing. So they won't go down without a fight, but it still looks quite tough for them. Yeah. yeah, they need a miracle, don't they? They're what ten, nine points off Birmingham, but obviously with ten games to go. Yeah, you know, you know the thing that sort of rounds Gareth Ainsworth up right around the sort of hoardings of the stadium. It's a rock and roll football, and I sort of think that that's perfect analogy for what Gareth Ainsworth does. You know, in terms of as a manager and his team, because you know this is a team that were favourites to go down. You know, last season and end up getting promoted in the playoffs. You know, it's a miracle they are even where they are, really. But yesterday. Uh, the first note I put down when I was watching the game is where do you begin? Because where the hell do you begin with it from yesterday? Because I think the only player in that first half to come out with any credit is the person that's kept us in the game and that's Daniel Iverson again. Because he's probably hit the nail on the head there, Josh. We look scared. We look... There was just no cohesion. There was nothing in that first half. And, you know... Ainsworth's done a complete job on us, hasn't he? You know, three games this season because they should have won at our place back in December. Yeah, you know, we, when got, we got lucky. Didn't we? we got lucky, but he's got he's got Alex Neal's number. You know, that's he, he's done a he's had a good game plan. 
the goal was coming before it even went in the back of the net. You know, I don't know how many times we have to let, let Tafazoli have a, have a free header. He could have had an action first half, absolutely. But the reason the goal's come about is from zonal marking. And Ched's man-to-man with Tafazoli. You know, I think everyone's been saying on social media, well, one of the centre-halves should have Tafazoli. But the way we set up for set pieces is our back four is along the edge of the six-yard box. And it's yeah. it's in it's in order as well. So it's set, what was it, Seth Hunt's story, Hughes, yesterday, in terms of on the six-yard line. It looked to me like they, they'd worked on that routine, knowing that Ched's going to be where he is and tough as early peeling off onto him. But you don't know if it's going to be Ched or somebody else because you can watch North End, what we played 36 games a season. You can watch us all that last season as well. That's how we've always defended set pieces. 11 men in the box. Our back four is on the six-yard line in order so that you know if we do get, get the first phase away, then we can step out as a, a unit and it's not all over the place then. It makes sense to a degree, but the warning signs were there. Yeah, and you we know, didn't do anything. Well, you know, they've targeted it. You know, and it's what any manager and analyst in this league would do if they've had an insult about him. You know, the spot that that's how we set up set pieces, target it. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Or, yeah, if, if it weren't for Iverson, it was, it was game over at half time. I think we were looking, I, I felt fortunate at half time that we were, it was only 1 0. And that's against bottom of the league. I thought, what am I doing? I think I tweeted it yesterday. We look like the team that were bottom of the league. Not not Wickham, the way we were playing. Um, I can't really pass comment on the second half. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really watch much of it. Um, I just felt that even even going in at half time and only being one nil down, I never felt that we would come back and and do anything. Like, I know we made three three changes with um, Barky Gordon, not Gordon, uh, Barky Gallagher, Potts. Gallagher and Potts. Yeah, coming on, but. And, and yeah, the second half, from what I saw, was was a bit of an improvement, but it couldn't really get much worse, could it? Yeah, but if you're going from a, a one out of ten first half to a three out of ten second yeah, half, exactly. Mate, yeah, it's twice as good, but it's still shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it couldn't get worse than the first half. So that that's the poorest we've been this season. Yeah, by, by, a, country, by a long by way, a country mile. And we've had Lute, some bad, we've had some Lute bad displays. Luton yeah. was 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 very bad, but, but Luton deserved it. Luton, you know, Luton yeah. had quality about him. We just played into the hands yesterday. You know, we were so poor, and the the manager. You know, I know he's come out. He's sort of thrown a few of the players under the bus last night, which I didn't agree with. I think you protect your players to the best you can, but when they've let him down, they've let him down. And I, I just I didn't agree with the subs at half time. I didn't agree with the three. I thought. I get Sinclair wasn't in the game. I mean, when I've looked at his stats, he's had six touches in the first half and four of them he's given the ball away. So I could sort of get why he's dragged him in a way, but like Whiteman, didn't really agree with that one. DJ, yeah, he had that pass out of play after about 15 minutes when he's been, he's been fouled and didn't really do much after that. But these are experienced pros. You know what I mean? It's like, and then we're putting bad pots on who, who tries hard, but you know, actual quality and creativity-wise. I didn't think it was there from yesterday. Barky did well for me. I thought it, it was up and down the line really well. It was probably the one spark that you think something's going to come from until Gordon came on the pitch. And then when Gordon comes on, I think Christ could actually get a point here. You know, an undeserved point, but 
because he's the, the one player you want to give the ball to and I just don't get why I didn't start him personally I thought Chucky Maguire in after a couple of months off near enough just didn't make any sense made, made so little sense to me yeah, and he, he struggled didn't he he struggled to impact the game which he's going to if he's not played for, when yeah. did he last kick a ball uh, the home game Bristol. against uh, Bournemouth wasn't that? yeah I think his last start was Bristol City in December so you're talking nearly four months yeah it's like come on it's like it's, it's not Sean's fault you know he's just a lamb to the slaughter when that happens isn't he really let's be fair you know we had 10 minutes against Rotherham in February before that played 76 minutes 16th of January against Bristol City hasn't been on the winning side since we beat Coventry last year Jesus <laughs> it's not his fault you know he's not he's, he's trying to do he's trying to do the best he can clearly short of match fitness but we're scrapping for every point we can get you know we probably need six points to be safe for the season in my head before I went into Saturday, before Saturday's game I thought well this is three and then obviously when I seen the team and Greg wasn't in it I thought shit we've got an issue here because without Greg, that back four was just static. It just yeah. I looked at it on paper and I'm like, to quote someone who used to be on the podcast, it's just four big trucks. <laughs> it is though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. it's four lads above six foot. Story's probably the most mobile out of the four. Sep's not really been great away from home. So, so, yeah, it was all right. Yes, for, for, for me on Saturday, but it's just it's just a physical unit. It's got no football in ability not real football in creativity in it and I just thought we've, we've got a problem without Greg in that back without somebody in that back four that can create or can do something going forward I, I just thought we, we might struggle here Was there any word from uh, Alex about Greg George was it just a precaution or do you not know said he broke down right said, he said, said I've been flogging into death I thought he'd break down and he has so that's not sure ideal find is it? out about that tomorrow but yeah, massive miss. Big time, big time. Scott, like he said during the week, he wants to protect Greg. Right? It's like unless he's already known at that point that he's going to be missing. I find it really bizarre. Like you've got to look after these lads that haven't played. Same with Lindsay. I yeah. know he's on the bench yesterday, but yeah, it's um, it's not ideal, is it? And it's starting to feel like it's coming to the end of the road for. For Alex, unfortunately, um, but I can't help but feel that we've we've lost our identity as a club a bit as well. And for me, yesterday was just the rotten cherry on top of an already mouldy cake. Um, it it's time for for a new direction, and hopefully, the the new appointment in the recruitment department is is just the start of the changes that we need to start to see from the club. Really, you'd hope so. I mean, you. you... <laughs> I said something similar yesterday. It's like, actually, Jay, I said we'd gone stale before the last few weeks, but now it feels like we're going a bit rotten. You know, it's just, it just didn't feel good yesterday, did it? The comments in the no. press after the game were, were minging for me. Just to, like look at look at managers and they usually protect players in, in the press. You know, Mourinho has made a career out of it. Alex Ferguson. They blame anyone except the players. They blame the pitch. They blame the ref. They blame. I mean, Moon is the attitude, you know. But, yeah, but keep the, it in-house, you know, as well. 
Yeah, because you can, not... pace play, you can pace yeah, players exactly. in the dressing room because what happens in the sanctuary of his dressing room should, there, generally. should stay within them four walls. I mean, Christ, over the years, the amount of times I've pasted my lot in a dressing room, but then I've said something like outside the four walls in terms of, or, you know, like, and it said like, we didn't do that badly really, but, you know, just got improved, but they've had an absolute pasting. Yeah. Something you do. Don't, you don't say the lack of commitment and, you know, the effort wasn't there and he expects better senior pros and, uh, you know, in that, those sort of words, it just like, it just felt like that's not what we should be doing and not what we're about as a football club. We've never been like that before. Maybe under Wesley we were a little bit, but... It's to be expected, isn't it, really? With everything that came with him, but... Alex Neal isn't Wesley. This is the no, thing, Alex Neal isn't Wesley. And, you know, it's been... It's, it's been a journey, hasn't it, under Alex Neal, but I just, like you, mate, I just feel like we're just getting to that point now where it's coming to the end. We thought it would come to the end in the summer anyway, but... Yeah. Ten games if, to this, go. if this carries on, it, it'll be before the summer, I think. Well, it's to, if, he's, if he doesn't go before Tuesday then he's got Tuesday and Saturday to save his job for me because the other man has got to be watching one of those two games they c- he can't have been watching yesterday Trevor he must have been <laughs> watching a horse or something because if he was watching yesterday right, he'd have pulled the trigger for me but it's Cheltenham this week if he has a couple of winners he'll probably be able to pay him off won't he yeah true where do you stand on it all George I know obviously you can't come out and just start oh, going. Um, I think it's the worst thing as like, a fan when you watch your team and you, you've no idea what's going to happen you don't know what you're going to see and there's just no sort of identity and that is that is where we're at at the minute I think yeah. with the League One team that went up they might not have been great like top quality wise but you knew what you'd get every week with them I think with Alex's first team when he first came in it was like it felt like wow this guy's taking us to the next level I think we played Sheffield Wednesday at home didn't we in the first game who just got into the playoff final and it was like, this is something new. This is like exciting, fearless. And that that was the case for that whole season. And then it took it, it took it into a bit the next season. And like you say, it just sort of feels a little bit like we've missed the boat with that group because they've been torn apart now. Yeah. And- I was gonna say just on that, like even though we've just obviously criticized the manager and and I think rightly so for the last few months at least, if not longer. But He's not blameless in this, is he, by any stretch of the imagination? He's not really been backed by the club. He's had his best players sold from sort of under his feet and it's, yeah, it's never going to be easy when you're in that situation. No. I and mean, look what he's had to compete with this year. And this isn't excuses or anything, but I listened to him after Bristol City at the end of last season. He wanted three sign- two or three signings and look what's happened. It's like they're literally the exact opposite. So, yeah. It's not all not all his fault now, but yeah, it'll come fall at the manager's feet at the end of the day. Um and there's there's more to it than results as well. Um there's a way to lose. Um the 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 games we've lost this season, the performances are just as bad. So yeah, not great, not great. I think if you look back at what we've done in the championship under Alex Neil, that first season he came in, at this point we'd only lost seven games. You know, we've lost 18 this year. He's on 57 points. We're like 13 points better off on the cusp of the playoffs. You're thinking, yeah, this, like you just said, this guy is the right guy for our club. And, you know, that high press, that high intensity game that he played at that point. But then you look at the players that he had, you know, Callum Robinson, Jordan Hugill, you know, fully fit Greg Cunningham, 
Gally was what four years younger. Yeah, you know, you had Ben Pearson, you know, Alan Brown in the form of his life, and that ten role. I think you look at that, and then you look at us now, and it's like, well, it has just gone a little bit stale. You know, these lads are four years older now. It's not the same team. You know, we've lost quite a lot of bit of quality, and I get we've replaced a lot of players in January, but having such a massive influx of new players and expecting them to gel straight away was never going to happen. And I know that from when we had Peter on the pod, you know, he expected it felt like he expected some sort of result, you know, from the investment that the owner had given, you know, especially bringing in Ben Whiteman. But breaking the transfer record as well. Exactly. But then, you know, and, and then signing Chen and Greg on Perms, you know, five loanees, you know, set don't remember as a freebie as part of the Ben deal, but then you look at Jason Malumbi didn't get off the bench yesterday. You know, Iverson looks a cracker. I think we're going to struggle to keep him for next season because he's that good, which worries me. Because if it wasn't for him, you know, in these, what, how many games has he played now? 13? You know, we'd be nowhere near. We'd have, we'd have got a lot less points. I know we've not got many points anyway, but we'd have had even less without him in the sticks. Yeah, and I get he's probably dropped it. You know, he's dropped a ball against Millwall. We've we've lost a point there, but Christ, he saved us so many times in those thirteen games. It's quite worrying. Ninth different back line yesterday. Another different defensive makeup. It's like nine nine different back lines in thirteen games. But yeah, just you know, it's no wonder we can't get any sort of consistency and fluidity as a team, is it? When we're chopping and changing our back line. Yeah, it's a struggle, isn't it? And obviously we've we've spoken, haven't we, about the importance of partnerships and, you know, they're not even getting time on the training ground to develop them either. So it's um, it's it's pretty grim. Yeah. I think we're at a point now where the team looks like they feel like they belong at, in this, at this level. And I think that's quite dangerous for a club like us because you need that extra something. Do you mean in not- terms of we, we maybe look a bit complacent? Yeah, that's probably the word. Uh, just a bit like, yeah, we've we've been in the championship for five years now. We'll be all right. We don't have to go that extra mile, run them extra yards. A couple like us needs to. You, yeah, we're not right to be up there at all. You need that extra, them extra things, and not probably a bit like um, maybe Bournemouth or Watford. Maybe got a bit like that in the, and obviously come back to bite them on the arse at the end of last season and they find themselves in the championship you know it's yeah I think it's a, a good point that George well if you stand still you go backward that's yeah. that's what happens in this league you know you, you cannot what afford in football not just this yeah league. exactly and you know that complacency issue I think is an issue I think you're absolutely spot on with that to be fair I hadn't really thought about it as complacency I thought of it you know, yeah, that, that might be a, bit a harsh word but there is no, a word I th- for it I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a good point though George to be fair because I just don't feel like we're progressing as a club. You know, it's great. Obviously, we're doing things off the pitch and, and getting, you know, we've got a nice shiny new training ground that's been given a spruce up. Seems to be getting an, an, an analytical team in place, which is what we need from a recruitment point of view. But we're still miles off it. We're still miles away from, the, you know, what teams have done bef- over the past four or five years. We, we just haven't progressed at the probably the, the rate that we needed to. Yeah. I put out I put out on might have been painting our line a video from Brentford from five years ago with their director of football. It's like we do things differently here. And honestly you watch it, it's three minutes of video. I'll tweet it out in a bit. But honestly, 
that club is just, you know, and this is a club that's such a similar size as a fan base of your know, finances in terms of obviously what their owner has and what he's invested into the club. You know, he's their owner's probably invested less into the club than Trevor Hemmings has. But and look at the just, trajectory they've been on for the last 10 years. They just, well, I think since he's gone in, I think he's only been there, what, about eight, nine years. But last five years, they've gone like that. You yeah. know, but for those been, of you that can't, well, no one can see, but Jim's doing a very vertical point, hand direction. Sorry, yeah, uh, I'm just pointing upwards because that's the, the trajectory they've gone on as a business. Yeah. As a business, because that's what it is. It's a business at the end of the day. It's not just a football club, you know. So, yes, it's a it's a football club to us as fans. But step out of that sort of fan bubble, and it's a business, and it's got to make money at the end of the day. And we'll come on to that in part two when when we've got Kevin with us. Yeah, I'm not sure that'll make for much more pleasant reading because uh, the finances that have been released in the last few days, well, the last week or so, um, I mean, it just goes to show the level of investment that Trevor's continued to put into the club. And yeah, there's, uh, I mean, that's a discussion that we'll have in part two in, in some detail with Kieran. Um, but yeah, I think just, just a final note on sort of for part one, if you will, do you, do you think we will pick up the points to stay in the league between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it. Birmingham sacking Karanka today is an interesting one because obviously they're probably in a worse situation than, than anyone, I think, in sort of the bottom four or five. Um, it's all about Tony Pulis being the favourite to go in there. My word. Oof. How that man keeps getting jobs is beyond me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, just just It'll a be final very note interesting. before we um, before we break for well a break and then come back for part two. Um, please, can North End fans get the idea of uh, Chris Wilder becoming our next manager out of the heads because it's never going to happen. Ah, oh, it'd be amazing though, wouldn't it? It would, it would, but it's never going to happen. No, it's not. No, I think um, I don't know. I don't know where we'll go. That's no, the honest it's, truth. It's, it's an, it's going to be an interesting summer, isn't it? Well, it is because, it, it, like I've said a few times on here, managers in our league don't tend to go for transfer fees anymore. They tend to be people out of work. But I think we're going to have to break that to actually get the people in that we want. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big summer. Big summer. Um, on that note, boys, I'll go and get a brew and we'll be back with Kieran in part two. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanx Live. Lanx Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanx Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNELive. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we'll be joined by Kieran Maguire of the Price of Football podcast to talk North End and finances. And we'll round off the episode by looking ahead to Tuesday night against Borough. 
Kieran, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. No, Thanks you're a busy for the invite. Man. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the day when I'm not busy. But uh, <laughs> every time I thought, think, oh, there's no stories this week. I can I can go back to what I, I normally do in life, which is next to nothing. Uh, football is a, a habit of kicking me in the teeth and keeping me occupied. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, who was it that coined your football finances, Rain Man? Yeah, I think you're missing a word there, actually, in, in that <laughs> sentence. Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, uh, an owner of a uh, of an EFL club. Can't say any more than that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I guess I guess we'll start then. Just with, can we just get an overview of the financial picture in terms of North End? Uh, yeah, the the overview is that uh, North End broadly have got a budget which places them about 16th or 17th in the division in terms of wages transfer spend that type of thing and uh if you even if you're in the bottom third of the table uh in terms of the finances uh the the championship is still a brutal division to be in so so they are losing they were losing over 300 grand a week um, last season. They did have some player sales, which which reduced that a wee bit, but uh, they're very much indebted to the to the owner to to dig out those losses on a regular basis. So the the debt is going up to Trevor Hemmings. Um, I think if he's realistic, he's he's not going to get that money back unless they get into the Premier League or somebody comes along with it with a huge checkbook to to buy the club. Yeah. At what at what point? I know it's maybe a bit of an open ended question, but at what point do you think sort of Trevor would just go? I've had enough. Um, there's 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 a lot of people in that division who uh, have have done similar to him. You know, in, in the sense that you've got some you've got some owners that have been there for many years. If you look at Eddie Davis at at Bolton, you know, he was there for a long, long haul. He bailed out when it got to 175 million. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got the lad at Ipswich, who, again, I think there's some parallels with North End in that the the, the fans aren't happy with the owner. Marcus Evans is that's it. Marcus Evans, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he was he's been putting broadly about the same amount of money as Trevor Hemmings in each year, which is you know six to seven million pounds a year. Um, and, and nobody's happy because the fans think that he should put in more. Now, you know, if, 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 if somebody's bailing me out to six or seven million pounds a year, I, I'd probably be quite grateful. Um, and he's probably not getting a great, great return on, on his investment because the you know, Ipswich were, were pretty much in the, uh, in the bottom half of the division for a, a considerable period of time. So you know, they, they changed the manager in Mick McCarthy because uh, that was the problem, according to some, and now they find themselves in in League One. So, uh, it, it's it's difficult to work out what what uh, the motivations of these people are because I'm I'm not a multimillionaire, um, uh, and if if any of you are, um, you'll you'll probably know what the answer to this is because because I, I don't. Um, and and the other strange thing is that that Trevor Hemmings now appears to be involved with a club in uh, in the Republic of Ireland because uh, because we were asked about that on on, the, on our show last week so uh just what, on that Kieran what what is your show do you want to just give it a bit of a plug for anyone that might not have listened 
Oh well, no, I, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen to it. Actually, it's it's dead poor, and it's it's it's, <laughs> it's it's me. It's me talking about all the all all the all the shenanigans and wrongons in football in terms of <laughs> the finances. So uh, I, I do it with uh, comedian Kevin Day, who used to be the Match of the Day two presenter, and he, and he he writes for Have I Got News for You and all those types of shows. Um, so it's called The Price of Football, and uh, I. I, myself and Kevin had never met. We, we were put together by a producer. Uh, I, I support Brighton. He supports Palace. I didn't tell him that I supported Brighton because I thought, well, you know, the, the, the show's going to die on its ass before we even get to sort of <laughs> knowing each other particularly well. Um, so we we both we both sort of said, okay, we'll, we'll do this. It will last three weeks. Uh, nobody will listen. It's, it's, it's a bit like one of those girls, yeah, a bit, a bit like one of those girlfriends you pick up. Uh, and she becomes and, your wife. Well, 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 yeah, but you think that you think well, this isn't going to last, and, and, and I just hope my mates don't find out. But uh, uh, yeah, we, we've been we've been going on for sort of a year and a half now. We've about two million downloads, and for for reasons we we don't understand, a, a lot of people in the football industry listen to the show because it is a, ultimately it's an industry focused show, even though it's two old blokes moaning most of the time. It's also my favourite podcast, so... Check, check in the post, Jimmy. Check in the post. So, mate, I've got the book, so it's... But no, it's, it's good, though, isn't it? Because you and Kevin are just a laugh a minute. It's a uh, yeah, Monday morning commute. It's brilliant for me. Well, it, it, I've learned a lot, though. I've learned a lot about football and finance during the pod and, like, who's... How many wrongings are actually out there, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, I, I got a call from the the show producer because we have myself and Kevin, we just sort of line up and sort of launch into stuff. Uh, and he says, I've, I've had to cut out a few things today, Kieran. So, okay. Right. Well, <laughs> producer guy. <laughs> producer guy. That's right. Yeah. But, um, I was going to ask you about the court city thing, um, Kieran, because how do you think that's going to affect us sort of with the new Brexit agreement? Because Cork are playing in the first division now in Ireland. So they're not one of the Premier League clubs, because obviously with this point system, obviously I know we've got the, agreement between the UK and Ireland where is it freedom of movement or some degree to that could a player theoretically if they were an EU national played in Cork City's team could they then come to the UK or is that is that different in terms of the Brexit agreement no no what what a player would have to do would be to get Irish citizenship first and and then would be in a position but for those not familiar with the situation. If if there are good Irish players playing for Cork City, then um, you, you know they they can come across to the UK uh, w- without any tariff. Uh, under the post Brexit rules, uh, you you have to go through a points based system. Um, but you know the, the 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 potential advantage is that if if the Preston Scouts spot somebody who they think is promising then you know they, they could bring them uh, from the EU to Cork City effectively give them a sort of a glorified trial there um, and, and then start to work on stuff so ideally Cork City goes up to the, the Premier League in Ireland um, and, and that that will help uh, if, if they're an EU national and, and then it all does come down to the points but but at least you get an opportunity to see uh, you know, is is this lad? Uh, you know, is he going to cope with a step up? Uh, is is he going to fit in with the philosophy of the club? And also, uh, what what Preston could do if if they so desire is that if you've got a 
particular style of football. And you have to excuse my ignorance here. I, I, I don't know what, what the position yeah. is. Don't um, worry, we, we don't. <laughs> but, but then you can use that within sort of all the feeder clubs. Uh, if, if you if you got this group system, I know. Yeah, as you, as you may be aware, I'm a Brighton fan, and we've got a, we've got a club in Belgium, and who, who our owner owns. And what we did a couple of years ago was uh, we, we Brighton signed a player from South Africa, but they but he couldn't pass on on the points based system. So he he went to Belgium. Um, and, and built up his points there, and, and now he's come into the Brighton squad. So it, it's it's a roundabout way of uh, recruiting players who you wouldn't necessarily get first time round. Yeah, of course. And just to clarify, under 18s now, that's not permitted anymore, is it? Because we've had, a we've, well, when we got Alan Brown, for example, we got Alan Brown from, at 16 from Cork and we've had Adam O'Reilly and we've got Harry Nevin in the minute in our academy that's come over this summer, just gone. So under the new agreement, is that, uh, if, if, if they're Irish, they're fine. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I, 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 Irish lads are fine. It's just that uh, it, it, you used to be able to recruit... Um, under FIFA legislation, you cannot recruit under-18s from one country to another. Uh, but if they are historically EU nationals, that that, is, that, that was being bypassed. So, yeah, the likes of Cesc Fabregas when they came to Arsenal and so on. Uh, but for, for Irish lads, it's not an issue. That, okay, that's cool. Just in terms of obviously the accounts that came out on Friday, it was like football Christmas for me because obviously I was just looking through an accounts for a good hour. Um, squirreled away in our holding company's accounts was the loan increase from Govemore Limited. So that's gone up £7.7 million on the previous year. Why would we go down? Because obviously Trevor's put in about £6 million of share issues as well last year. Why would he go down the loan route as well? And does that affect FFP? I know, obviously, FFP is a bit of a funny one that makes it suspended, but would it usually affect it? Yeah, it, well, it, it's diluted rather than fully suspended. The, the way that FFP works is that uh, you can put in effectively £8 million a year in the form of shares, and, and that counts towards your FFP loss. So the logic behind uh, borrowing from Grovemore is that if you initially classify it as a loan and then you do need it a couple of years later uh, in the form of shares, you just convert the, the loans into shares. So it's sort of a it's sort of putting it into a, a holding area for, for a year or two. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the main difference, of course, between loans and shares is that uh, if, if you've got a loan, it, it must, in theory, be repaid and uh, it must be on a due date and you'll have interest on due dates. But yeah, these are these tend to be low interest or zero interest uh, relationships. Yeah, because I was going to say it's not percent. It's, it's up to 50.7 million pound now, the loan. So I was like, wasn't expecting to see it that high. 43 million pound felt high the previous year, but then mm. another seven and a bit million. I was like, that's feels fairly substantial now in terms of a loan, as well as the share issues from last year. So it's like 13 million quid extra put into the business last year. Yes, yes. So, you know, the, the owner is benevolent. And, and I mean, you're, I think we had this conversation last year that there appears to be a section of the fan base who, who thinks that the, the owner could be doing more in respect of the club. But uh, I, I think you, you, you the fan base might reach a tipping point. I know if, if you look what's happened at uh, clubs such as Blackburn and Coventry, where there was, where there's historically, there's been a lot of hostility towards the owner. 
and then in more recent times as they they kept they, they keep writing out the checks which keeps the club afloat yeah that's that's the long and the short of it um and perhaps sort of uh attitudes will mellow uh, in due course I, I know some people i've seen on social media say well you know he, he can afford it but uh there's one thing being able to afford it it's you know writing out a check for you know, 150 grand a week or whatever it's going to be uh, week in week out and all you're going to do is get dogs abuse it is uh it takes 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 a fairly thick skin yeah especially for losing 300 grand a week because when he broke it down like that i was like that's frightening, really. You know, if it wasn't for the player, if it wasn't for selling Callum Robinson last year for seven million quid, you know, I'm, I mean, our loss was seven and a half, seven point seven million pound anyway. Yeah, you know, and it's like that's still ridiculously high. It it it, it is ridiculously high, but I mean, I I think I think I stuck up some, uh, as you know, I, I like a chart or two, um, and and I stuck up the figures in in respect of the of the championship for the most these are the most recent figures for all the clubs and and it's just a complete haystack of division uh, to lose over 600 million quid uh between the 24 clubs is yeah. is just lunacy and the club with the biggest losses Aston Villa well they they got promoted these are the 2019 figures the club in 2019 the only club to break even was Rotherham and they were rewarded by being dropping back down into the into League One. You know, subsequently, of course, they've come back up again. So, uh, you know, money and common sense when it comes to the championship, they're not they're not said in the same sentence. Mm. How how do you, I mean? We've had Peter Ridsdale on the podcast. Was it February, Jim? And yeah, start of Feb. He he mentioned about the championship and certain clubs in the championship almost being a ticking time bomb in terms of they're, they're not paying, um, what do you call it? To the HMRC. Yeah. Um, How much, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't know what you, what you will and won't know in, in terms of that, but how much truth do you think there is to that or could be to that? Yeah, yeah, there is because the, the premier league has actually offered to, to guarantee a loan. For those clubs that can't afford to pay their, their their employment taxes, then the Premier League, I think it will lend around about eight to nine million pounds or, or effectively be the bank of mum and dad and guarantee the loan for those clubs. And I think one or two are, are starting to reach out. So, so there are genuine struggles in that division. I'm, I'm not particularly sympathetic towards a lot of clubs because they simply lived beyond their means for far too long. And I don't know whether you, you saw those numbers are stuck out in respect of press. And you know, if, if, if you spoke to any fan of a championship club, they said, what do you think of press? And they said, well, yeah, you know, solid club, uh, no, no fancy Dan's doesn't, you know, they'd expect it to be operating fairly sensibly. But if you, if you saw those figures, only it was only one year in the last 12 has, uh, has uh, uh, North End's wage bill been, uh, less than revenue, and in that year it was ninety nine percent. So you, all, all of the money and more is going out on wages. So the clubs have already lost money, and and that's before you've put you know petrol in the mower and, and stuck on the floodlights and paid for the uh, you know the, the the players' coach to go to away matches and stuff like that. So it's a yeah. it, it's a it's a nuts way, and, and and North End are by far not the worst club when it, when it comes to issues of that nature. That's the scary thing for me. You know, look at Reading, for example. I think was it two hundred twenty-four percent. 
you know, so there's been, for every every pound they're getting in, they're spending two twenty four on wages. It's like, well, that's just it's obscene, really. It's just, yeah, it, it's daft. But but football is that, that's that's why we yeah. love it. You know, yeah, you, know, I, you, you go you go along to to forget about everything you know that's really getting you down in life, and for that for that wonderful sort of two hours beforehand in the pub with your mates. Um, and then a bit of a chat afterwards. Yeah, the, the world's a better place. It's, it's just the football, the ninety minutes itself, which tends to be the miserable part of a Saturday. <laughs> At least you've won today, Kieran. That's the main thing. Yeah, so. I didn't know how to cope. If, if I, it, even winning was was absolutely horrible because because we took the lead in the fifty fifth minute. I then spent thirty five minutes hiding behind the sofa, thinking, <laughs> "Well, yeah, we, we are so we've got such a terrible reputation for conceding late goals." And and even when it was sort of you know ninety one minutes into the game, I said, oh well, I think we should, we'll get a point. Yeah, we're not going to lose this one. Uh, there's there's no joy in, in football in the Premier League. It's just survival. It's just it's nuts. Yeah, it's even harder because you can't you don't feel you can influence it either because you're not in the ground. I know it sounds really strange that, but when you're actually there in, in the flesh, you you feel like you're actually a part of it. When you watch it on the TV, it's just you feel so far adrift, and it's it's really strange. Still yeah, can't get used to it. Especially if you've got now TV, which I have, because I could, um, so therefore I'm automatically 90 seconds. So, you know, because sometimes I feel if I, if I shout loud enough, they'll, they'll hear me. They'll hear me. Yeah, it doesn't matter how far away from the actual <laughs> match room. Um, but, but not knowing that uh, I, I'm actually, and of course, I've got to have all my WhatsApp messages off. And normally I've got a Zoom call with my mates. So I have to switch all that off because uh, I, I've gone for now TV rather than Sky directly. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it's a nightmare, absolute nightmare. <laughs> Um, just that 166% thing, how dangerous is that? How worried should fans be about that? Um, I, I, I don't think they, they should be too concerned, George. And, and the reason why I say that is it, it, it was distorted uh, by, by COVID. I, I think it was, it, was a more, it was a bigger concern in, in 2019 when it was 143, which, which does indicate that despite what some may believe. I think the owner is backing the, the managers cautiously. Um, it's going to be much higher in 2021 because normally North End will get, you know, somewhere between three and four million pounds a year coming through the turnstiles in tickets. Well, well that's gone. You'll have lost some of the sponsorship and commercial income because what's the point in sponsoring a, a side at Deepdale if nobody's going to watch them? So, so it's gonna be, it'll be a really tough year. And, and they've not managed to get the wage bill down because players are on you know, two, three, four-year contracts. So it, it's, it's, it's a perfect storm of, of, uh, of badness, um, pr- provided the owner uh, is still committed, then, then you know, the, the club is in, is in as good a position as you could hope for. Uh, it's when the owners lose interest. I, th- I think that uh, that fans really have to start to worry because there, there's there's no longer a long line of uh, billionaires or multimillionaires from you know the Far East. You know that the the Chinese interest in football is very much dried up. So the, the well, main they, they've people... got their own issues, haven't they, in China at the minute with football? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Chinese Super League is. Uh, there's there's a lot of problems. What one of one of their biggest in fact the, the it, it was the it's the equivalent what what's happened there of Liverpool halfway through this season just turning around and saying now we're we're quitting now we've had enough, um, <laughs> and, and that's that's uh, that's the 
the, uh, the side that won the Chinese Super League last season. The owners decided they're going to concentrate on retail. Well, <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine that happening in England if we, we're an overseas owner? Right. Do, do they own, is it Inter? Or yeah. do they own a club yeah. that's elsewhere? Yeah. yeah, they do. And uh, who have got huge financial issues outstanding. They're, they're, they're hawking them, hawking the club to anybody that's prepared to listen at present. Yeah. Well, that affects the clubs like Birmingham. I'm just thinking of clubs with Chinese owners in the championship. So likes of Birmingham, Reading, I believe, did they buy it off John Majewski yeah. years yeah. ago? Yeah. I, I, I can't go into individual clubs' details because sometimes I'm involved with, with what's happening. But I think it's fair to say there are a lot of clubs where there are people either kicking tyres, which happens a lot of time in, in the world of football and finance, or have moved on uh, a little bit further in, in terms of doing some due diligence work and potentially trying to put together either a consortium or a bid. Uh, there's uh, there, there's a belief in China that that spending money in the UK isn't a good good way to uh, behave. It's not really in with the the government's plan, and and yeah, the Chinese government holds a lot of influence over the way that Chinese uh, business uh, and commerce behaves. Yeah. I know um, Peter's obviously spoken in the past about maybe not spoken, but he's, he's I think he's made comments about we. We need to be careful as a club that we don't end up like the next Berry or Charlton or um, whoever else there is that I'm forgetting off the top of my head that can fit into that category. And I think looking at what's happened with Wigan and how difficult they're finding it to sort of find the new owner, do you think he's maybe right in saying what he said in terms of we need to be careful that we don't end up going down that route? Yes, uh, I, I think there is a belief amongst some and not all um, that if somebody comes in, he's going to be um, some form of combination of Roman Abramovich and Father Christmas. And he's, and he's going to shower you, shower you with millions and millions. And he's going to catapult you up into the Premier League. Uh, and everybody's going to be coming to Deepdale and, and you're going to be, you know, uh, Liverpool going to be going around. You know, they'll be leaving the ground where their arse is slapped after you, 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 after the fourth goal has gone in the middle of the second half. But it, it, it's not like that. There, there is a lot of foreign ownership and there's a lot of certainly foreign interest in English football because it's hugely successful. It's, it's one of our most uh, impressive exports over the last 20 to 30 years. And we should be very proud of it. Um at the same time, the people who are now coming into football are seeing it more as a business rather than as a trophy asset. Yes, it's great. You, know, you talk to Chelsea fans and City fans, they, they, they love their owners because you know, last summer Abramovich said, well, you know, our, our UEFA ban is now over. Um, let's, let's make up for lost time. Here's a quarter of a billion pounds. And uh, you know, off off you go, Frank, and and you know, and spend the money is spend the money you know, with, with no real uh, things to worry about. Uh, for every person like that, there's 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 somebody like the owners that we've seen at, at Liverpool or Arsenal and, and Manchester United who who are who are looking to take money out of the club rather than putting it into the club on a long term basis. So so North End have some have somebody you know, and again I I don't know enough you know you're you're close to the club it's 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 your lifeblood it's uh, it's what makes your heart beat and all of these types of things. Um, Trevor Hemmings. Yeah, from an outsider's point of view, is 
somebody that's prepared to, to write out those seven figure checks every year to a large extent without really asking what he's getting get, getting in return for it. Um, and because as soon as he start, starts asking those questions, uh, somebody's going to say to him, well, you're getting nothing. Yeah. Mm. Is there an argument to say that he's only continuing to write those checks because if he didn't, he'd lose everything? Or is that not the case? Um, put, putting putting good money after bad, you, you, you could put that as an argument. Uh, you know, that they, Preston have bought the, uh, they, they bought the Wigan training ground, haven't they? And, and things of that nature. And, and I know sort of, again, from what I see on social media, uh, you know, there are mutterings about the the property and land portfolio, which has been built up uh, surrounding the club, and, and therefore he could make some money out of that. But he, he wouldn't get his money back because you know, it's, it's all gone on wages and more, as, we, as we've established. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon it's 117 million quid now. From, there's a loan waiver in 2011-12 of £33 million, and then obviously there's a loan that we've got out at the minute with Grove Moore which is obviously one of our parent companies, then obviously all the share issues. You know, finding someone who's going to put £117 million into a football club over the past 10 years, that's pretty, going to be pretty hard to do, especially in, in the econ- economic climate we're in now as well. You know, I don't think there's many people, if any, that would actually put the money where the mouth is, to be honest. Yeah, well, look, I mentioned Wigan before. They're still trying to find a new owner, aren't they? Yes, uh, I mean, they they have, I think that some new directors have been appointed to a company which is planning to take over Wigan, um, but we've been there before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wigan have had, they started off with Dave Whelan, who, who ran the club really carefully, um, and, and, he, and he's an example of a, of, uh, a good owner. I, I I know the guy that used to be the banker who, who used to effectively run their, their sort of their branch account or, or sort of their national branch account for the for the uh, corporate bank involved, and he said that you know Dave Whelan ran it like it like an old like an old corner shop, and he knew where every penny was going. And it's useful to have somebody with that mentality. And I think Wigan fans bought into that. I mean, they got the they got the they had the fairy tale. Yeah, they had those years in the Premier League. They won the FA Cup. So yeah, there's there's nothing that they can really complain about. But since then. Uh, you know, since Dave took a back seat and he's he's not he's you know he's, he's not as well as he used to be. Uh, initially, it was this I, IEC uh, corporation in Hong Kong. They tr- they thought just by spending money they could get back up to the Premier League. Well, they they had their their backside slapped on that. Um, and, and then the, the really weird owner who came in bought the club effectively for thirty million quid, and then two weeks later wound it up or put it into administration. So yeah, Wigan's still in administration. They've had one points penalty. Potentially, they could have another fifteen-point penalty if they if they come out of administration and don't give the creditors at least uh, a quarter of what they're owed. So it, it's 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 tough. So some, somebody's got to to find four million quid realistically just to buy the name of the club. Um, and then, of course, you've got the ongoing losses as we're seeing at North End. You know, they're not going to be cheap either. Yeah. Cool. Cool, yeah. I think unless you two have got anything else you want to ask here, and then uh, we can no, I really wrap. appreciate your time as always, Kieran. Oh, really interesting that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, good to see you, lads. Keep up yeah. the great yeah. work. Much, much appreciated, Kieran. Thank you very much. Okay, cheers, guys. Cheers. See, see you later. Cheers, Kieran. Yeah. So hopefully you enjoyed that that section on uh, finance and football, really, with Kieran Maguire. And as he mentioned, 
well, he wasn't very complimentary about his own podcast, but yeah, go and make sure you give uh, the price of football a listen. It's as Jimmy said, it's his favourite thing at the minute, and has been for a long thing. time. Been my favourite thing for a long time, mate. Yeah. Spending to, me getting to spend half an hour with Kieran Maguire every six months has been great on here because uh, we spent some time with him last June, was it? Last June, yeah. July, we were in lockdown. Uh, it's good, good laugh. Obviously, they do a quiz every probably about six months as well, and he's got a decent book out as well. I ironically called the price of football, but it's basically full of balance sheets and stuff about accounting, which I had no idea about before I read the book. So. Unsurprisingly, not, not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be completely over your head, mate. But um, I thought you contributed quite well there, mate. You know, yeah, but did you, you not? Did you not notice they weren't they weren't really heavily finance related questions? Well, I wouldn't expect them to be. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Borough, reasonable form, I would say. The last month or so, the last eight they've won four, lost three, drawn one. Last ten, won four, lost four, drawn two. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I say this every every week at this point, but it's not going to be easy. A great win yesterday. 3-0 against Stoke at home. Um, they're, just, they're one of those teams, aren't they, Middlesbrough, where you just don't know what to expect. Um, Alex Neal's never lost to Neil Warnock. He's won all four games against him. Interesting. With, with us or ever? Ever. Four yeah. out of four years. Which I found quite... An interesting little little start. Yeah. I was like, never, never, never expected to see that. So could but, um, could we say Alex Neil is Neil Warnock's Gareth Ainsworth to Alex Neil? You could or Gary Rowett, say that. Gary Rowett to Alex Neil. Here we seem to be Gary Rowett. Ga- Gary, let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? For <laughs> <laughs> God's sake! Uh, do you think we'll see Darnell start? I think he's been on the bench on the last few games. Think it'd be one of them come back in against your former club or um, uh, possibly? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I reckon it'll start. Yeah, be, no um, reason for that. Just why not? It'll look. It'll be desperate to play, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've gone a few weeks without winding anyone up, only so it's first time he's got off bench in about three or four games yesterday. So, yeah, I think he started well, didn't he? And then he got hooked when they were getting thrashed one game at half time. Uh, yeah, Bristol City at home, it was. That was it, yeah. It's a bit like Darnell, that to be fair, isn't it? You know, two or three good games and then one one real sort of poor one. Yeah. Stinker. Yeah. yeah. In fairness to him, he, always, he does always seem to sort of work his way back in, though. Yeah. Well, I thought we'd missed him, haven't we, since he left? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Playing 3-5-2 as well, which is interesting, um, especially given Alex Neal's tendency to match 3-5-2s up. Um, I don't know what to expect because, like, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Middlesbrough this season, but it's the past seven, eight games have gone to this three-at-the-back system. Is Balassi playing and Cabano? Um, I'll have a look. Because they had a decent, that's one of my favourite decent... names in football. That Neeskins Cabano. Yeah, they both yeah, played yesterday. They had, a, they made some. We played them, didn't we? And then they made some. They had a good January. They brought some good players in. Mendes Lang as well. So scored yesterday. Came on as a sub. Got some decent options up front. They've got some decent options off the bench. I mean, they brought on Sombalonga yesterday. Um, Mendes Lang, that Marvin Johnson that played really well. He put, yeah, he was there on the real. And that Tavernier, I, I always thought was a really good player, but yeah. Matt, I don't know if he's in their team. Out injured at the minute. Oh, is it? Him and um, Ashley Fletcher. 
So, mm. yeah, they played Balassi and uh, Tuba Akpom up front yesterday. Akpom, that's the other one. Yeah. Is Son Bolonga injured or is he not, not in the picture at the minute? He's on the bench yesterday. I think he's he's come back from injury, hasn't he? But I think he's just struggled to sort of cement a place in the team. Some serious, got, haven't they got a lot of players out of contract in the summer, Boris? Like Ashley Fletcher, Son Bolonga, a two that I think I'm sure is. I think a lot of clubs can be like that. George, did you hear a piece where there's about 170 players in the championship out of contract? 170? Yeah. I didn't bother. I didn't spend my time putting that together, but yeah, 166 it was. <laughs> right, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> who did it, Jacob? I don't know. I think it was someone from a, uh, Stoke, Stoke on Trent live. Oh, so. right. <laughs> Big up to them. Oh, I, I never that. really gone off transfer market because I think it's quite unreliable. But yeah, I, th- I think the majority of that seem to be uh, seem to be spot on. But yeah, Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think. Sorry, go on, Jim. I was going to say it's just like it's going to be one of them summers, isn't it? I think everyone's going to be in the same boat, especially with how the world is like economically at the minute. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams that will just wait till the last minute to offer contracts to players where it's the like an average quality. It's like, well, we'll see what else we can, what else might be out there. If not, we'll just keep them. Yeah. So, and I think as, as well really. as a lot of that will be the players. I think they'll be waiting to see because they've probably. I'm, again, I'm I'm sort of taking a stab in the dark here, but I would suspect a lot of them have been offered contracts at the clubs and thought hmm, could maybe get better than that elsewhere in the summer, and and we'll sort of hold their horses and see what see what comes about, which I'm guessing given the current climate, won't be too much, but you never know. As Kieran's just said, football's a weird and wonderful place to be, isn't it, at the minute? Not sure about wonderful. Well, weird, yeah. Very, very weird. Um, yeah. Predictions then, boys? No, no. Hard, hard to be confident in it. Yeah, it um, is. It's hard to predict anything, th- isn't it? Yeah. One thing I would say, I wouldn't blame any footballer that doesn't look at social media, but there's no way that reaction from the fans doesn't get back to the players yesterday. Surely one way or another they know now that what the position is from the fans and you should hopefully see that on the pitch, that they know that the manager is under as much pressure as he's ever been before. You so would hope so. Just on that, and, and something I meant to bring up in the first half, but I forgot. Um, obviously, we, we talked about Alex Neil sort of I think you you called it throwing the players under the bus, Jim. Um, he's, he's done it a couple of times this season and, and we've never really seen an immediate reaction, I don't think. But if you think about it, if your boss throws you under the bus, in essence, and sort of hangs you out to dry a little bit in, in the media, you're not going to be motivated by that. No, you're yeah, so that, that, that was going to be my point. Was, was Is that again, maybe, I know people have said it in the past that he's lost the dressing room, but... Is that maybe a sign? As such, but I, I was going to say, it's... but is that maybe a sign that all is not well internally? Like the players are maybe getting a bit fed up of being chucked under the bus and thinking, well, why? Why should we sort of? Who did I read a piece by? Was it Gary O'Neill when he was at Norwich about how? Uh, is it? Is it? He's like full of pace for Alex Neil, but he mentioned something about how he just overloaded them with information towards the end. Like giving them too much information and too many things to look at during a game when realistically they just want to go out and play football. And that had me thinking, I think that's probably what we've just been through. If you look at how we've played for the past 
sort of 10, 12 games before that little four game spell, sort of February, when we just played with a bit of freedom, I think. And then we had that Cardiff blip, uh, which was a bad game. But we just, we didn't focus on the opposition. We just sort of tossed that off, to be fair. And we just played our own way. And we sort of, we were getting the performances and results from it. But before that, that overloading them with information point, it just, it just felt like it was probably what we've just been through. It just felt very real. And it's, I'll, f- I'll try and find the article and retweet it in a bit, but there's a lot of it that just resonated with me. And yeah. I just think, I, I know what he said against Wickham in the FA Cup and a few people weren't happy with it then. I think what he said yesterday was probably just as bad, if not worse. Um, But he's frustrated and he's probably pissed off and he probably has days when he doesn't want to be here as a manager of our football club because of performances like that. I think you struggled to really praise him yesterday after that first half, but sort of leaves you wondering why why he's having a first why we're having a first half like that. Maybe there's issues running deeper, so hmm. Yeah, only time will tell, I guess. Um yeah. I'm not going to bring up the predictions again because, as we said, it's I think it's nil nil. I, I just think we'll get a point and it won't be pretty. But if if we get, suffer a heavy defeat, I think that might be the end. Yeah, I think uh, we've said it numerous times this season, but it's another big week for the manager. Jake, it just feels like we're kicking the can. You know, we've no, got 10 games left of the season. You know, whether it happens this week, next week, in the summer, it's, it's going to happen it's, eventually. We're just, it we're feels just almost inevitable, inevitable, doesn't it? It's just like, just. I feel sorry for Alex Neil because I like him as a manager, but I just think his time's come now where it's like, he, he needs he needs a break. He probably needs a change. We I probably just, need a change to the football club. But it's just like, it's just one of them things. It's like, it's like when you you know the right time is to, to split up with someone when you're younger. It's like, well, now's the time. Let's just, uh, no, it does though, mate. And yeah, it happens to no, a lot no. of people at different stages of their life. It's like, you get to a point where it's like, well, there's nothing in it for anyone anymore. Let's just toss it off. Yeah. I, I was saying this yesterday to someone, but I think you look at his career to date, don't think he's really had a break from the game. No. I thought that. Since he's probably 16, 17, it was probably before that, really, because he'd done a whack, like a YTS or whatever. Yeah. Went straight in as a player assistant manager and player manager at Hamilton, didn't he? Went straight to Norwich. Had, what, three, four months off before he got our job? Which is no... It's no great at deal 40, of time, is it, to be honest? At 40-year-old in football, that's tough. and especially after the last 12 months, especially, when we had, what, four weeks as a pre- off between the two seasons starting and finishing Yeah, um, in, in September. I just feel like the guy probably needs better. A lot of people need a break from football at the minute. You know, we're probably exactly the same, but I just think, I just can't see him turning it around. And when he gets to that point, Something has to change. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cheers, boys. Unless you've got anything else you want to say, then uh, we can call that a pod. All good. Cheers. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us, George. Much appreciated. Thank you for your time in and out of the car, Jim. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode 46 of the From the Finney podcast. As I said at the start, if you head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the Finney, you can leave a donation and it's massively appreciated. Go and give us a follow on Twitter. We're at from the Finney on Twitter. Jim, what's your Twitter handle? Um, at Bayside PNE. George? Most people will probably know anyway because Don't know. we're uh, all aware. You are the Twitter goat. Sure about that. G, G Hodgson Sport. 
Yeah, go and give George a follow. I'm at J.I. Oates, but I usually tweet a load of shit, so I wouldn't recommend following me. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you enjoy the podcast, as I said at the start, go and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen to us. And thank you very much for listening, and thank you, fellas, for your time, as always. Cheers. Cheers. No worries. See you Tuesday. Yeah, see you Tuesday. We'll have Lady, I think, back with us. So if the football's not too great, hopefully Scott can uh, inject a bit of life into me and you, Jim. Oh, I'm sure he'll crack a few jokes for you. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cheers, boys. Thank you. All right, North End fans. The Juice here. You're listening to From the Finney. This is our brand new single, Tell Me Tina. Hope you enjoy it. So far, no, I should stop.